Hi, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of the Womanhood and International Relations podcast. I'm your host, Natalia Bonilla. And for today's episode, we have a very special guest with us. Her name is Natalie Caraballo. She is a Puerto Rican specialist on women's political participation, as well as expert of Proyecto 85. Natalie, thank you so much for joining this podcast. Thank you, Natalia, for having me here um, and being joined with, your, with you and your audience. I am so thrilled to have you here because we have been talking about Puerto Rico for the beginning of this podcast. And this is the first time that I'm actually interviewing a Puerto Rican woman for this platform. And I want to ask you, as an expert on women's political participation, can you share with us what was that moment of impact that made you focus on Puerto Rico? Well, to talk about Proyecto 85, we have to um, go back to our inception, which um, was in 2018. Uh, as you may know, and as we have spoke before, um, the relationship between Puerto Rico and the United States um, make it, uh, there's an influence, uh, there's an influence in the way that we um, do politics in Puerto Rico. We basically, um, the you know, um, political styles from the from the United States, and something very important was happening in 2018 in the United States um, with the election of Donald Trump in 2016. Um, there was this mass movement of of women, um, not only protesting but also um, entering into politics. And 2018 saw. A uh, record-breaking uh, amount of women that not only ran but also won, especially uh, Democratic women, and we saw uh, that opportunity um, to bring back home in Puerto Rico um, to see how we could get more women elected, right? And it's not just a trend that was happening in the, in the United States; it, it was a global trend. So, how can we? Um, how could we? take that global trend um, and make Puerto Rico part of that global trend, right? So that's how um, Proyecto 85 started in, in, in 2018. It was um, a very special project uh, made by Gabriela Rosado, who was a student at the time, um, interning in, in the U.S. Congress, and she um, basically said there are tons of organization in the United States and around the globe, but there was not um, one um, in Puerto Rico focusing solely on increasing women's participation in public office. So that's how Proyecto 85 um, was born in 2018 um, to, to catalyze women's participation um, through training and now through research. Just to bring a little bit of context for our audience, can you share with us how was the Puerto Rico's landscape in terms of female political participation prior to this period of 2016-2018? Definitely. Well, we, we found that in 2016, um, even when women 
are the 53% of the population in Puerto Rico. They only occupy 14% of the main um, public elected offices in, in Puerto Rico. Um, so that's how actually um, the name of the organization was born because in order to have equal representation based on our share of the population in Puerto Rico, women should occupy at least 85 um, of the main 158 seats. Um, in, in office. There is this perception in Puerto Rico that uh, women do not participate in politics, um, but it's actually that women are discouraged to participate in office. We literally have had um, um, senators, male senator, senators that in the past has said um, that it's not about sounding machista or sounding feminista or, or feminist, but it was that just women um, does not belong, that women don't belong in, in government, um, in, the, in the tables where decisions are being made, right? So there was this perception that women were not participating when it was, act, it was actually all the way around. We, at Proyecto 85, um, we uh, went back and checked on the data and we analyzed and we saw that there was upward trend on women's participation. Um, it, just in, tw in 2020, we saw 122 women that, um, that, that, that were official candidates. And in 2016, we just had around 96 women that were, that, that were um, official candidates. So it was important for us to let the public know that uh, even, it's, even if it's still low, um, the participation of women in the public sphere, we are seeing more women that want to step up um, and want to run and want to and want to win and want to um, to become um, to become public officials. In twenty twenty, more women not only ran but also won, increasing um, the women women's participation share from went from 14% in 2016 to 22% in, in 2020. So it's still um, a very low participation comparing um, the share of, of, of women in, in Puerto Rico's population, but it is an increase in, in that 8% in change from 2016 to 2020 can be seen and can be seen reflected in 2024 and moving forward um, to, to, to a greater participation. And, and, and we can actually, um, at some point, eventually, we can actually uh, get gender parity. You touched a very important um, topic um, that I think that we can find um, similar trends in the Caribbean, as well as in Latin America, which is this macho culture, um, is very deeply ingrained in uh, Puerto Rico's culture. I think even we can find um, similarities as well as differences to what happens in the continental um, countries in Latin America, that what happens in islands in, in the Caribbean region. Um, could you share with us maybe what are some of the practices of macho culture or even if it's misogyny as well because we can find men that definitely disregard and even hate women going to public spaces or public spheres 
Um, what is the extent of what you have seen as, you know, as a researcher, as an expert, as well as a, a woman in terms of politics in Puerto Rico on these two subjects? Macho culture is really ingrained in, in, our, um, in our political landscape. And for the 2020 election, it was not no exception. Um, we had three um, women who ran for governor and of those three, just one became an official um, candidate for, for governor of Puerto Rico. And it was really, 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 the um, machismo and this and the our patriarchal um, society was really harsh on her, um, and not only on her but on others on other female candidates as well. And something that has to be said about violence against women in politics is the online harassment that has been happening and has been increasing a lot um, since social media has taken up a, a, a bigger. Um, role in in political campaigns, and we have been seeing that um, growing more and more. How how they're treated online, how they're treated in some media outlets, and honestly, it's discouragement for other women that that may want to uh, that may see that they want to step up and run, but they just feel discouraged because if it's happening to so many women, why should they? Yeah, seek for for an elected office in in the near future, right? So, um, it has a domino effect on on other women, and it's um, it's it it really worries us, right, on the future of women in politics. If this huge polarization and this huge um, machismo um, keeps growing and in use um, against women. In the case of Puerto Rico, is there any um, accountability system, any kind of um, judicial um, forms or protocols that can be used, that can be called upon to stop violence against women in politics? Is there like some sort of mechanism to stop it? Right now, there is none, <laughs> and <laughs> and I think we should strongly consider it um, because if we are trying to get more women um, in, in in office, we we need to protect them, right? We so so it should be enforced, um, but right now there is none. So basically, this macho culture and misogyny continues to. Um, grow without any kind of deterrence, right? We're, yes, yes, we're seeing it, um, but not everything is as negative as, okay. as it sounds. <laughs> because, yeah, because even though, yes, we, we are still living in a very, um, society controlled by men in our um, in the city that 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 is just so ingrained in our inner culture but we saw women that not only ran but also won so it showed us that um, the electorate is actually willing to consider and to support women who are running um, so I think that the the electorate the electorate is basically 
also um, just tearing apart those challenges and those um, prejudices against women and, and seeing them as an equal in the, in the ballot and actually um, supporting them and, and, and seeing them taking a, an active role in political leadership. As a woman researching on this topic, again, as a Puerto Rican as well, how easy, difficult, challenging, or maybe optimistic could it be, um, another word to add, has it been to actually advocate for, for women to run for office in the island? Well, in the first place, um, we got to talk about, uh, it's not just in, in, in the sense of um, electoral participation, but just in general, in, in Puerto Rico, we, we, we have a lot of challenges when it goes on, on data, on data management and data analysis. So um, for us, the very first step was to just take that raw data um, and analyze it and basically provide um, conclusions conclusions and recommendations um, supported by data. Um, so once we got um, once we got out of that main challenge, advocating for women is is how can I say it? Um, it's people are people, first of all, people are just so surprised. <laughs> They're in awe when they see like, oh my God, so this is actually this is actually this is actually this low, like women, why is it so low? What can we do? And, and there is a change of mindset um, regarding women's participation and the importance to, to actually support women. And why should we um, should strive for, um, and, 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 uh, for gender equality in government? So even though it's a little bit tricky, right? Um, saying, wait, why should we support women just because they are women? But and, and we're like, no, that's that's not the case. And when, when we talk about all the reasons um, based on not only our, our, our studies, but the studies that we have seen um, internationally, not just in the United States, but just like um, academic literature regarding women and in politics, um, people are more open and more understanding of, of the importance of, of diversifying and, 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 and striving for gender equality in, in government. That proposes like something interesting to explore, which is, you know, in some ways, Puerto Rican society um, is archaic <laughs> in the way of, you know, like how women could go into politics. But after hearing you just now, there's also another element of modernization of people that are actually super open to see change, to see you know, once you give them the data or, you know, like you, you show them the statistics and, hey, we are so low in the representation scheme, they actually can change or shift their mindsets. Um, is it something generational or is it more due to the trend that you were referring at the beginning of, you know, this, everybody's doing it across the world so we just might jump jump on board <laughs> you know i think there's uh, a little bit of both of uh, the instances that you're just mentioning i i think that um in general on um, all 
all and the different um, generations are more more willing and more open to support um, diversity and, and inclusion in politics, but especially our younger generations, millennials, um, Gen Xers, are way more open, right? Um, uh, they have a, a very different uh, worldview of, of, of how important it is um, to include uh, all the society and to break those um, patriarchal systems that has um, just affected us so much. So yes, there's a component, there is a, a component of the old, all the generations, but especially younger generations are more willing and more open to, to diversify um, our government. Mm, I, I want to um, ask you a very hot question. <laughs> um, since 2020 was, you know, a year of many surprises, not only due to the pandemic, but also, you know, in terms of uh, presidential elections in the US, as well as, you know, government elections in Puerto Rico. Um, there was a very big um, recognition of political partidism or, um, you know, like how political parties tend to take over sub certain subjects, you know, and how, you know, like the segregation between those that support the, um, the current um, party in uh, um, the executive, the PNP or the uh, Partido Nuevo Progresista or the Partido Popular Democrático, like all these mm -hmm. battles between um, um, political parties, it was very clear that we have not surpassed that, even if we are in 2020. So, or 2021. <laughs> Let's yeah. not remember 2020. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I'm, I'm very curious to ask you about your work, because it's easy when we are advocating for females political participation to, you know, get seen as you know like an advocate for a specific party in power or a specific political um, movement and in Proyecto 85 something that I have seen and I would like to learn more is how you have been able to actually you know take a neutral stance like we want to support you know female candidates regardless of what political party they want to go to or whether they have backwards or you know like or consider backwards, you know, like uh, political propo proposals. Um, how have you been able to maintain that distance? Well, first of all, it has not been that easy, right? Um, especially <laughs> since you just mentioned how um, politics works in Puerto Rico, which are highly partisan, right? So um, keeping a neutral stance on on, on our work is is has been very challenging, but it's definitely not 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 impossible. Has not been impossible, and it, I think that um, we can do it. We can do so, um, and it can be the, a little well, a little bit easier for us to do it because our vision on on gender equality is that it should not belong to any specific party. Um, gender equality should should transcend. Um, political parties and 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 it should be a common cause. So how how do we um, make up gender equality uh, a broad cause, not not a partisan one? Um, and not only that, uh, our vision um, when we do our work is 
how can how can women organize as a voting block um, as opposed to be organized um, by party, right? Uh, by a specific party. How how do women said, listen, I want to support you, X Y Z party, but what are you doing for me in order for me to support you, right? So um, that's one of the ways that we um, try to 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 look at that, and we know that it's not going to happen as quickly as as we we would want. But um, it's if we can see that type of organization, how women can organize um, politically as a political force, um, it's 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 key and it's central um, to the work that we do. How can women unite as a voting bloc? That's a very interesting question to explore. And lately I was watching this uh, mini series, uh, the Miss America in the US during the 1960s, 1970s, uh, the second wave of feminism in the US and the Equal Rights Amendment, um, which is now uh, currently under Joe Biden being um, addressed once again. Um, and. Uh, I saw something very interesting is how can we unite when there are many layers that, um, you know, separate us either through conservative um, issues or through um, liberation um, issues, no? or freedom of, you know, sexual and reproductive rights or freedom of expression, et cetera, or, you know, these, uh, how is it? Um, social dynamics and social standards of what a woman should do or should not do. In Puerto Rico, is it, what was the situation in terms of sorority, in terms of sisterhood between women that run to office? Is it, you know, is it a group thing or is it still very solitary road? <laughs> so in Proyecto 25, we actually started a, a, a research on the 2020 female candidates and and the first exercise that we launched um, we were seeing that basically um, some of the candidates were saying um, the lack of solidarity between women was one of the main factors um, or one of the main challenges that they experienced um, during the campaign. It, it is still a challenge, but um, when we do our, our, our trainings, at the end of our trainings, a lot of women speak and they are so grateful that we are actually doing this um, job in a non in a nonpartisan way that we are uniting women um, from all parties in the same space because even though they have different challenges among or within their own parties, they still share um, many challenges that are just universal um, to to women. Um, so I think that there are still challenges that we have to 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 approach and, and, and that we have to change um, between us, um, between us women, uh, but we are seeing a, a, a trend of, of a little bit more of solidarity among us and not, not necessarily seeing us as a competition, yeah. <laughs> but, seeing, but seeing which is our main um, enemy, which is patriarchy. Yeah. 
one of the issues that has been also brought by women, and I think that many collectives in Puerto Rico, uh, feminist collectives, are taking a very strong stance against is this whole colonial relationship with the United States that after Hurricane Maria in 2017, got into a new level, if it could be considered as such, of relationship, of colonial relationship. Can you share with us if after Hurricane Maria, due to the gravity of what was experienced, women's voices or women seeking to take office was, was bigger because of everything that we experienced, all the trauma that we experienced as a, as a nation? Definitely. Um, actually, there's a really good book um, called Voces de Mujeres or Women Voices um, that was um, written by the Inter-American University, um, the, 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 chap the women chapter of the, of the university. And that book, dig into how here again, Irma and Hurricane Maria, both which happened between two weeks in, yeah. in, in, 20, in 2017, most affected women and, and how um, women actually step up um, and organize within their communities to survive, literally to survive. So yeah. how women were how women were at the front and center of uh, Puerto Rico's reconstruction um, took a big part of, of many women who said, listen, <laughs> Um, we are already um, exercising our leadership in our communities. We have to do something bigger for our country because if if we do not do it, um, who like nobody's gonna save us if, if we do not so save ourselves. Um, so many women, actually, many participants that went to to our training since 2018, um, when they when they talk about the reason why they were participating in our trainings, they said. Um, that Hurricane Maria and Hurricane Irma were both a, a major factor for them to want to step up and 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 do something and 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 just trying to change um, what we got. So uh, yes, it was definitely um, central in 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 that increase of of, of women that actually ran. Yeah, I want to give a heads up to our audience. Um, we are gonna list uh, down below in the description box of this episode, all the information regarding what happened in Hurricane Maria for you to have a background context of the gravity or the seriousness of this natural phenomenon and how it impacted Puerto Rico's livelihoods. And we will also uh, connect with the um, scandal that led to the out, the out ousting of um, the governor of Puerto Rico, Ricardo Rosello, during the protest in 2019 that, you know, took over um, international news media uh, for a span of two weeks. So we are going to list everything below as well as the link to this beautiful book that I'm so excited to read. <laughs> I need to learn more. Um, I'm very, very excited. And, you know, I, I find it interesting to to address um, just as a final um, point, this colonial relationship, because it feels like when we go or advocate for, you know, like women in power, women as governor, or, you know, like the top uh, elected official in Puerto Rico, being a colony, it feels like you're still subjected to US 
the mainland. And right now, as he has been, you know, um, talked about many times, um, the governor seems to be like a puppet of the um, Junta de Control Fiscal or the board, the, the one that's, you know, um, being overseen or supervising the, the budget in Puerto Rico. Um, do you think that, I mean, we had two previous female governors. We had um, Sila Maria Calderon in 2000s. Then we had um, um, Wanda Vázquez after uh, Ricardo Rosselló. She was not elected, but, you know, due to the secession uh, protocol of what the constitution says, um, she took power. Um, do you think that a female in power would change things in terms of the colonial relationship to the U.S.? Well, that remains to be seen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you because... don't have a crystal ball, Natalie. <laughs> we do not have it, but but what we do have right now, we have a resident commissioner or a delegate. Um, that has been, this is her second, her second term as a resident commissioner, and she's actually, her um, ideal, right, um, towards um, Puerto Rico and, you know, and the United States relationship um, for her is to be to, 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 for Puerto Rico to become a state. Um, we can obviously argue if, um, if statehood is a decolonization option, of course, but there are people, and right now there are women, uh, uh, mentioning her as, a, as an example, that are working um, towards changing our, our status quo regarding our, our relationship with, with the United States. And as here, there are other women in, in the Senate. There are, um, there are senators from the Independence Party. There are senators from the, uh, there's a senator, a woman senator from Movimiento Victoria Ciudadana and from other parties. They're, they're actually, um, women's representation in, in the main, in the five um, political parties in Puerto Rico. So uh, at the executive level, yes, I can say we are seeing, right? Um, women that are working towards changing our, our status quo. Um, but obviously that still remains to be seen if, if in the future we're gonna have uh, women from other parties that are advocating for a different, um, relationship with the United States, not, not necessarily statehood, that remain, then that remains to be seen if, if um, how they will advocate for that, if they are in, the, in that executive position. Yeah. Um, Natalie, here in the podcast, we began last year a series called The Burden of the Colonial Mindset. It is like a kind of diary <laughs> of, you know, every interview that I, you know, continue doing for the podcast, it teaches me a lot. Like I'm still learning from all of you. And I want to ask you as a fellow Puerto Rican, as a fellow Puerto Rican women, um, if the colonial mindset plays a part in the way that women do politics in the island, the archipelago, or in the way that we see each other in front of you know women in the United States. What has been it's, your own experience? <laughs> I think that's the best question. <laughs> right, yes, definitely, because yeah, let's speak from my ex my own experience. Um I I can say that I am very aware that I am a colonial subject and I can see how 
colonialism um, affects everything that 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 I do or 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 how I think or 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 just my 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 worldview, um, and I think that uh, that of course has an an impact on how we just behave and and how we um, advocate and how we um, exert um, political activism and and I in, in society in general either consciously or unconsciously um, we behave of course as as decolonial subjects that that we are what would you like to see in Puerto Rico in the future near future <laughs> <laughs> Uh, more equity, more equity, um, social justice, um, just uh, a place where we do not, uh, where we, we are able to just let go our prejudices, not only on women, but in the diversities that we, uh, of, of within women, right? And, and not just women, let's talk about any other um, gender identity, sexual orientation, and, and just that we can just surpass all those prejudices that has make us so, so much um, harm. So um, that, that would be my ideal, <laughs> my ideal scenario for the next couple of years in, in, in Puerto Rico. And how can we actually um, make that possible through public policy? That would be, that's my dream. Well, that's my last question for you. How <laughs> can we actually support the work that you're doing? What are the current projects you have? Any upcoming events? How can we follow all the work that you're doing through Proyecto 85? Yeah, definitely. Well, first of all, you can find us on, on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as at Proyecto 85 or Project 85. Uh, Proyecto 85 PR, PR. And uh, we are right now um, going through our, our, our research project um, to see lessons learned from the 2020 female candidates and how can we basically improve not only our, our, our training curriculum, um, looking forward to our next, um, the next election cycle, but also how can we, uh, we'll be able to provide um, more uh, direct um, recommendations um, to political parties and to the population in general uh, on, on the importance of diversifying leadership and the importance of, 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 of supporting women in, in this, in these spaces. Amazing, amazing work. Um, we would definitely list all the information on the description box of this episode for you to check out all the work that Proyecto 85 is doing, as well as Natalie, on her personal um, uh, capacity, as well as a female expert on these topics. Natalie, thank you so much for joining this podcast. Thank you, Natalia. It's been a huge pleasure to talk with you and, and, and with your audience. <laughs> That's it for today's episode. I want to thank you so much for tuning in and for joining us on the different conversations that we have. Please be sure to follow us on Instagram at womenhood underscore IR. And if you're interested in joining our community this Saturday, March 20th, 2021, we will have our first fast women and water 
you will have a full lineup of English and Spanish languages conferences. You're more than welcome to join us and explore together live interviews, networking sessions, and also the give back of our edition will be uh, for Romper la Regla, a Mexican grassroots feminist organization seeking to build the first ever website on menstrual health education here in Mexico. So if you're interested in supporting all the incredible projects we are building with this community, be sure to check out the description box for um, the RSVP tickets already available on Eventbrite. Thank you so much for tuning in. Talk to you soon.